Welcome back to Blind Love Radio. I am your host, Anna. And today I have my amazing guest, Kira, on the podcast. We go through all the topics that I touched on last time in my solo episode about shame and creativity and how we can start to sit with these things and heal them and have the courage to look at them and just be with all of these things. Um, we come up with some amazing ideas, if I say so myself. Really, it was her. So just take a listen. It was amazing. I really, really love this conversation. It's very dear to my heart. Um, it's very vulnerable on both of us. Um, just wide open for you guys. The heart is open, ready to be shared with all of you lovelies. Big shout out to Jen Lemon and Rosie from Wildly Off Track. They are doing this amazing tenderness collective portal that is just so beautiful. And both me and Kira have been participating. And a lot of our conversation draws from these themes that they're both sharing in there. So I just want to give a huge shout out to both of them. Um, I will share both of their links in the show notes, as well as all of Kira's info. You can find her on Instagram, page.of.poems, and... I just love this. I'm very excited for you guys to listen. I hope you get something out of it. You are not alone in whatever you're going through. I know being a human is hard. What can you say? (laughs) So might as well make some art out of it and really embrace life, right? Because I think that's why we're here. Personal take. So let's get into it. Big love and enjoy. I'll see you on the other side. One more thing. If you haven't checked out Kira's previous episode on Blind Love Radio, definitely go check that out. If you scroll down, you will find it. And it is amazing as this one. So enjoy. Enjoy. 
Okay, welcome. We're here. I'm here with Kira again. Say hello. Introduce yourself for anybody who doesn't know you and your wonders. Okay, yeah, I am Kira Cornetta. I'm currently living on Erie Land, also known as Northeast Ohio. And I'm a mother to four Earthside children. And I'm a poet, and I'm on Instagram mostly as page of poems. I love your Instagram. Oh, thanks. Um, so what have you been creating lately? That is a really great question. And um, a lot of my creation lately is around um, staying with the vessel that will create. If that makes any sense. Tell me um, more. Uh, I've been in a deep dive on uh, secret shame stories. So mm-hmm. a lot of my work has been altar tending, um, a lot of candles, um, less of like, like if you had a camera in my room, it, it, maybe it would be called performance art, but <laughs> um, less to do with, you know, putting something out there and more to do with like, tending to this vessel that is like transmuting you know the story how have Um, you seen anything being transmuted absolutely like um there's i i i feel like right now i just have to jump into like you know the work with rosie and jen lemon with tenderness and the nest and magic um, it's just it is. It's like I want to like honor all the people that have come before me that like have brought me to like working with myself, which is like my story and a lot of shame. And uh, like I revisited Brene Brown's work this morning because I was like, we're going to talk about shame. And like, do I remember the language of it? I know what it feels like. And then I just kind of went on a little like all these people that have come into my life that like, um, you know, are doing the work of tending to themselves as a person and not um and not like just certain parts just certain shiny parts but the whole thing you know like the whole heart of what we're all trying to navigate and with systems and structures how that whole person a lot of time gets you know like shoved and shoved down and shined up or you know moves through the world in a way that's just not in alignment with who you are. It just ends up becoming total discomfort that manifests itself as, you know, if I like went through a whole like journey of my life of, oh, early on, this is what it looked like. And then it started to look like this. And this is the way shame manifested in my life. And it wasn't until, you know, my probably thirties that it started to like art came into it. Like where I was like, oh, this, is something and I'm always tending to this part of myself in when I'm doing art which is like the hidden parts the parts that like aren't acceptable you know quote unquote acceptable in like society and stuff 
Hi. I don't know if you want to ramble. But. No, I loved it all. <laughs> I feel like we should like back up a little. There's so many places we could go. So we're yeah. both doing this tenderness portal. Mm-hmm. Did you you coined that term? I feel like the portal. Oh but, my gosh, I think it's like late one night with uh, Rosie and I was like, all right, fast up. You and Jen just opened up the tenderness portal. <laughs> I feel like we should like describe what it is. Or like what, how we perceive it at least yeah. and what we're getting from it and just talk a little bit about it. Cause I feel like it came into, came at this perfect time where I was starting to like try and uncover all of these shameful parts or not even the first time, but when I was ready, <laughs> not even ready, but like. You know that feeling where you're just like forced to look at it because there's no other option Mm -hmm. anymore. It's like, I Mm -hmm. can't get any harder. Like I can't like callous over this anymore. Um, So yeah. Tell me your thoughts, like a little bit about it, what we're doing and we'll go from there. Absolutely. Okay. So Jen Lemon and the nest and Rosie, which I forget her last name. But at Wildly Off Track. They are currently, oh, how do you like, like, first there's like Brene Brown who comes into my life and is like, shame's a thing and this is what it is, right? And then now Jen Lemon's in my life to show me how to practice being with the shame without using any of that language. She's just using language of we're always together. You know, like we're going to do this together. We're not going to push and we're not going to coerce and we're not going to, um, you get to show up however you want to show up. And that's in all aspects of her work because she has this whole nest belt, um, that she calls it, um, where people can gather and we talk about, um, systems and structures, but tie it to like tending with the net, like not tending with, well, tending with self through the natural world, right? Through the land. Um, and this tenderness portal that they opened is just like this two week, um, you know, emails every morning and then through their close friends on Instagram. So through their stories, they're showing how to be with basically your pain, right? Um, and that can, like, I realize like these, this is when language really starts to like, I think divide us because these words and the way like, like when I say pain, like that could be like, you know, that could be really off-putting to somebody. Like, I don't really want to sit with my pain. Like, what are you talking about? You know, or if you say shame, um, you know, people are like, let's not talk about that. Like, let's talk about something else. And so Jen and Rosie aren't really saying any of those words. They're talking about, you know, uh, reaching through these ways that we can communicate simply by showing up to each other. Like um, when you're tending your altar, you know, that you're with all the people that are tending their altars. And then like we do, you use the tool that is Instagram to like snapshot little pieces of our altars that are like tending to the pieces of ourselves that are too heavy to carry. Like when, when Rosie was like, or both of them were probably saying, you know, we use altars sometimes as a way to put down what's too heavy to carry. 
And I was like, wow, I've been tending to altars like my whole life. And I never thought of it like that way. But yes, because every time I've ever created an altar, it feels like, and like, let me backtrack and be like an altar, a windowsill where I put a rock and a feather and a a vase (laughs) of flowers, you know, like not like anything, you know, it can get kind of cool, but it also is just focusing on like creating this little space of maybe beauty to remind myself that like, I'm still here. I'm still here. And I feel like they are just like echoing that same sentiment. Like we're still here too. And we are here in all these ways, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to sum up that. So beautiful. I love that we're doing it in the middle of it though. Right. Like we're kind of in the middle of it. So we're. Yeah. When I first like heard I feel like I just signed up because I needed something to feel connected and I was feeling like all this shame and anxiety and um like not tending to myself at all and just being so hard on myself for the fact that I was feeling this way so it would be like I I'd have these feelings of sadness or pain or whatever and then I would make myself feel even worse because I was like oh, like, why are you even feeling this way? And then you just feel even more miserable because it's just piling up. And this idea that you can just, to be okay with whatever is coming up is huge. And I don't know why it landed so well because I feel like my husband has been telling me, like, stop being so mean to yourself, like, you just need right. to accept yourself the way you are. But it's it's different when you see somebody else who is feeling the same things. But it's like, I don't know, like mirror neurons or something. Something cosmically Absolutely. is working where Absolutely. like you need an expander to like be able to show you that it's actually possible. And like how how to even take care of yourself through that, how to carry it. And I think I was trying to carry it all on my own. So then it gets too Mm -hmm. much and you're just like, I just can't do it. So that element of we're all in this together and we can help carry each other's wounds or tend to each other's wounds, like this idea that you're in a community and it's not only... You're not alone in it. Just is so comforting. And absolutely. It's so interesting because I feel like <laughs> I always thought like hearing the word tenderness just makes me cringe. It's a mm. really cringy word for me. I mm-hmm. think I've probably only used it like twice. And talking about this class, like I never use the word tenderness. I'm like, oh, it's like this thing we're doing. It's like really accepting yourself, but I never use that word. Or somebody even brought it up today. They were talking in conversation, nothing about this, but they use the word tenderness. And I was like, no, I mean like sensitive. For some reason, it just hits to the heart of the matter. And it's something that feels like hard to look at directly. Because Mm -hmm. it like mirrors the same feelings 
that you don't want to look at that you just kind of want to like avoid but then you feel in a different way right Mm -hmm. it's like you can't avoid it Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times being like on a call with in the nest because I'm in the nest community I've been there for like maybe a year been following Jen Lemon like lurky kind of for maybe like three years and like but like being in the nest maybe almost a year and we have these calls sometimes and you're talking about how it's being modeled right and like we forget as humans that we actually have to see something in action in order for us to learn it mm-hmm. like we can read things like like I read Brene's Brown's book like seven years ago Mm-hmm. And I watched her TED talk and that, you know, got me to a place, right. About shame, about vulnerability, you know, like vulnerability, also another word for tenderness. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but it only went so far. Right. And that's fine. It only went so far, but also like now, like you're saying, just see it in action and to be included in the action right? You're in it with them. It's is the, is like, that's what human beings, like, that's how we operate. Like, because I'm a mom of kids, I know and have also had to have been taught it by other, like, marvelous mothers and stuff. Like, you can't just tell a kid something. <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you have to show them. You have to model it. And that's just how human beings work. And how many times, like you said, you know, you've hardened and calloused. Absolutely. Like I'm the person that's like, I'm resting and I'm like all bound up and like forcing myself to rest because I know this is what I need to take care of myself. And, but I'm also like, I'm not resting. I'm just like trying my hardest to rest, not resting. Like these, the tenderness comes in to just be like, it doesn't really matter how you do it. But you also have to like soften in the wow. I don't know. Now I'm rambling again, but like, I think when you're saying your tenderness is so cringy because the word tender is in it, you know, and that's like a verb and that's like an ongoing verb. We know that tend doesn't end. Mm, That is big. Put that yeah, like on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, right? It's like, tending doesn't end if we're really here to like, to remember that. Like, yeah, it's we all don't have to, Yeah, we don't have to hustle for this, this life. Uh, I was totally doing that. Like, yeah. I was oh, God, like, yeah. I've yeah. done yoga today. I've meditated. <laughs> Why am I not better? Like looking at my watch. Like it is about <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I think there's something about because okay, so I also went on the Brene Brown train and so she says Guilt is a feeling when you've done something wrong and you have Mm -hmm. remorse. And then shame Mm -hmm. is feeling bad just about who you are in general. Mm -hmm. And it made me think about the idea of 
like you don't really want to look at your shame because you feel ashamed you feel bad about it right and it's part of Mm -hmm. who you are so it's not like you can even like looking at it doesn't necessarily fix it so her idea is that sharing it frees you which I think as an idea or philosophy that sounds great but then it's so scary to allow yourself to open up and let other people see something about you that you feel so bad about like how is that gonna help right mm-hmm. but somehow it does like mm-hmm. When you open up and you're like, you share something, even just like being yourself, like Mm -hmm. not even sharing anything crazy, but just allowing yourself to feel seen because I've realized a big fear that I have is just being seen equals being unsafe. Yeah. So if I allow myself to be seen, then I'm not safe. I'm in danger because there's something about myself that I need to hide because it's bad. Mm -hmm. But then when you allow yourself, like when I've been allowing myself to like be seen in these tender moments, like sending a crying (laughs) selfie Mm -hmm. and it's not met with anything but love there's something that just allows you to soften it's Mm -hmm. not even like anything gets released because everything's still apart you're still the same person you still Mm -hmm. hold all of the same things it's just maybe like a little bit of a perspective change you see it now through like a loving lens Because you're able to, like, see it through the other person's eyes. Uh, It's just so beautiful. Yeah, you're, like, touching on so many things. Because, like, that whole being seen is unsafe, right? But, like, you go into Brene's work and it's, like, without vulnerability, you don't have, you know, innovation, creativity, change, um, like, adaptability to change you don't have those things because like I I talked about it like this I realized when I watched Renee this morning again just to be like I don't know I just wanted to like be in the in the juice of it right uh that when I was talking to Rosie I was like this whole tenderness thing it it's undamning me and I don't mean like damning me to hell you know like I wasn't damned to hell (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like it's literally like you said it's not like it's not like anything's leaving you I mean unless somebody's like yeah actually it left me it's not there anymore sure okay that's your experience but also like it's just allowing all that stuff to be there like all those experiences to be there and like someone I know in the nest Nikki says you know nothing is ever wasted and maybe somebody before her said that but like I attribute it to Nikki because she said it to me nothing is ever wasted all that stuff it lives in you like you said and the tender part like allows that part to maybe like flow with all the other stuff in the same like juicy life force instead of being like constricted in a place where you're like you better stay right there because if anybody sees you all hell's gonna break loose 
right? Like you're the mm-hmm. shame part of me. You stay in that corner. And like, that's like, like literally maybe that's the language I use because that's like how I was like outwardly shamed by caregivers. Right. Mm-hmm. So I love how you said that. It's like, it, you, you had so many in, images and like quotes that people say, you know, when people are like, I don't care. We're doing it anyway. Fear. You know, like, get in. I'm driving, though. <laughs> you know, like, I don't care. We're doing it anyway, shame. Like, get in. Come on in, shame. We're driving. You know, we're going to drive, too. Like, Yeah, it's not and getting then rid that of makes, anything. No, you're not. You're not getting rid. Because then you would be getting rid of a rid of piece of yourself. And, and that's not. The wholeness is maybe the goal, right? Not piece imparting yourself into new and shinier categories. <laughs> Oh, it's so true because then we're just compartmentalizing, which is the story of my life as a Capricorn. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I have, I just was looking at my kids' charts the other day and I realized my, my oldest daughter has a Capricorn moon and I was like, oh, that explains things. <laughs> oh, she must be responsible. She's very responsible and just like the sweetest. She's a Libra, sun, and a Cancer rising. Capricorn moon. You'd love her. I mean, everybody loves her. She's a lover. I mean, kids in general, I feel like, you know, it, it really is systems and structures and religion and family systems and all these mythos that we build to create a society, right? That dump on us these things like shame. Do you and see like, you're it? not. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm so rude. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, you're fine. Do you see I'm your kids do these, these things naturally? Oh my gosh, this is the best story ever. And you could probably just end the podcast here. <laughs> I told Rosie this this morning and every time I remember it, I'm like, I hope I never forget this story. So my youngest, who just turned four, her name is Asa. And she won, okay, so I have complex PTSD and it stems from childhood trauma. But I've also had adult traumas too just like all coalesce into the last three years being really a difficult journey with like outward kind of like I got louder and nastier like like reaction my reaction to my triggers was just like if I don't yell or scream this out I won't survive like that's how my PTSD started to come out and um and then followed by, like, a great dissociation. Like, I went into a few months of, like, basically total disassociation. But anyway, this day, she wasn't yet two. So we're talking 2019, fall of 2019. And uh, I had had a bad day, and I had been yelling a lot, and I was just nasty. And I said, she's she was sleeping with me at the time and we're just going to bed and I was just bawling like crying bawling sobbing and I was in the bawling and sobbing I was like I'm so sorry baby um I I don't want to yell like that and I'm I'm sorry you mom you know I'm not being a better mommy and she didn't even skip a beat and she said it's okay mama you doing the best you can and like I could probably cry a river of tears right now because kids know you know like and I mean 
whatever. Maybe she had been modeled that through, you know, whatever, whoever, maybe me, maybe my partner, maybe someone else. But she was quick with the like, I see you. Like, you're doing the best you can. And I mean, it's something I still wrestle with. I think that's something that Brene Brown said. I wanted her talk one time too. It's like how her perspective switched when she realized we're all doing the best we can, right? And it's these stories of shame that really, you know, can they just perpetuate themselves into these ways like she divides it by gender in one of her talks about how women's relationship with shame is like using all the resources to be as thin and pretty as possible basically and men use their relationship with shame to like um they they are work hard like work is primary and like things like violence like these things that how we react to these things like corset us or like constrict us, callous us to the connection. Right? Mm-hmm. Wow. So yeah. I've seen it in action in like pretty pretty big ways. Why do you kids. think shame stops us from creating? Oh, that's a good question. I love that question. Well, I think because Shame, shame is like partners and buddies. I don't know how, how they say this in the research or whatever, but like with perfectionism, right? Mm-hmm. And like perfectionism is the killer of... You can't make a mistake. Also, you can't make a mistake. And, and then another thing, what is it? She says, um, you're not, like shame has two, two tapes that it plays. It's like you're not good enough and who do you think you are? So shame really just is like, why are you going to art? Like, you're not good enough to art. And like, you're going to art? Well, who do you think you are to be an artist? I mean, despite like all of the structures and limits and resources, not everybody has access to. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to actually devoid that. My belief is that we're all artists, that this is just one big art installation, humanity. Yeah, I see that. (laughs) Because like you're breathing. And you're expressing something, <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. if art is expression, just by you breathing, you're expressing. And, you know, it kind of goes with like, art is not necessarily beautiful. Art is not necessarily understandable. Art is not necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily always universal. It could be really specific. I don't know. I love that. (laughs) I love all of that. What have you found? I wanted to also, Mm. I also wanted to say like when you were talking, I don't know what you're talking, being seen as unsafe and like all that stuff. But when you share and then it's like a me too moment, like thank God for Tarana Burke and her me too movement. Because I think that has like pushed forward a lot of, well, I know it has. And not I think, I know it has pushed forward ways in which we can be together like unlocked some of those doors in which is like just hearing me too in this certain circle of humanity like 
it, it can be as close, you know, the connection can be as close as just like me too, listening and me too. Oh, that's so true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I'm like, I, I said that because of course I'm talking to you. So I like stacked up the books that I'm reading right now. And that's one of them that I'm reading halfway through. I'm giving myself a little break, but it's beautiful. What other books are you reading? Tell me your stack. I, I, I just read Severance by Ling Ma. And it is was written in 2018. And basically she is a seer because it's about a virus and how there's only like seven people left on the planet. Mm. And it, I don't know, I think it came at the right time for me. Like, I, I, it's really, it's one of those books, like I actually just finished it and I want to turn back to the front and go back through it. And I don't often reread things um, because I think it's just like a, you know, it's this post-apocalyptic kind of thing, but also you can't talk about that stuff without talking about all the systems and structures, but it's just done through really great storytelling. She's not like, her, her her narrator is kind of innocent and clueless, but also like driving the whole story. Right? It's cool. What are what do you feel like the gems are that you feel like are paralleled right now? That In are this like, book? yeah. Um, well, I think the one thing that's kind of in my mind right now is like you know everyone talking about or well, experiencing supply chain issues, right? Mm-hmm. And that's in there. Uh, the seven, I think it's seven people that are have, that haven't gotten the virus. Are they get themselves to a mall? <laughs> <laughs> That's where they're going. <laughs> and I just that you know, I don't know. Th- that's like just one simple thing. Also, um, there's some you know, there's a female character lead, so there, there's a lot of like them identifying uh, like fawning like fawning response fighting response like those responses like humanity is expressed in this book in those ways like uh, so that's in there it's really good okay what else is in your stack uh, I read this really beautiful book last year, but I've been thinking about it a lot. And it's also one that I want to read again because I feel like my little brain was like, holy crap, you got to read that. But I don't know if you get it. <laughs> it's by Leanne Vedasamosaki Simpson. So I probably really did terrible work with her middle name. And the title of the book is called Nopaming, The Cure for White Ladies. Mm, say it again, nopaming? Uh, yeah, N-O-O-P-I-M-I-N-G. And she is uh, a First Nations person in Canada. And she is... So nopaming, the word, is honest Anabalan for in the bush. Mm. And the title is in response to an English-Canadian settler and author, Susan Susanna Moody's 1852 memoir, Roughing It in the Bush. It's written in 
It's written in an Anishinaabe. I can't say that either. Anishinaabe Moan uh, like storytelling. So things like maple trees and trash are the are the characters. Mm. And uh, the main character is um, identified as they them, and they're lying frozen in the ice, remembering a long ago time of hopeless connection, and now finding freedom and solace in isolated suspension. So then there's seven more characters. There's a maple tree, an old man, an old woman, a giant, a caribou, a human, another human. I think there's one that's like a shopping cart, though, or somebody with a shopping cart. It's fascinating. Like, you haven't read anything like it. Like, nobody has, because it's, yay, we're here in 2021, and First Nations people are getting, you know, published. So... I love the idea of like inanimate objects being characters. Yeah. It's like I said, I feel like my, I got like, I got a a mini school amount of it and it's really written really sparsely like poetry or narrative, like just a lot of conversation between the characters. So it's cool. I love that. Okay, any other noteworthy ones? Yeah, and then this one is like, hey, if you just want something fun to read, My Sister the Serial Killer. Ooh, by, that sounds fun. It, yeah, it's Oyin Khan Breithwaite. And I'm sure I'm O-Y-I-N-K-A-N is their name. And Breithwaite, My Sister the Serial Killer. Just like, you know, you read it so fast because it's just like short chapters and there's yeah it's right there in the title (laughs) that's so fun do you have a good poem about shame i pulled a bunch actually because i was like (laughs) you know what (laughs) um i shared uh sammy kunis the knot on my instagram the other day oh yes i love that yeah the knot by sammy kunis i've tried to seal it in that cross-grain knot on the opposite wall, scored in the lintel of my door, but it keeps bleeding through into the world we share. Mornings when I wake, curled in my web, I hear it come with a rush of resin out of the trauma of its lopping off. Obstinate bud, sticky with life, mad for the rain again, it racks itself with shoots that crackle overhead, dividing as they grow. Let be, let be, I shake my wings and fly into its boughs. Mm, I love the let it be. Yeah. And then if you are, have you read Sharon Old? No. She has a a book called Odes. And like, I'll just tell you some of the titles. It's like, you know, Ode to Menstrual Blood. Celibate's Ode to Balls. Uh, the blowjob ode. Oh my god! Ode to the female reproductive system. Sexist ode. If you want to get to some like, you know, shame around people's bodies, and um, I it's this is another one of those like books that like scares the shit out of me. <laughs> but I'm like, 
you're reading this because you need to. <laughs> oh, why? I mean, why does it feel so sticky? Like when we, right? when it's not even like something we're processing, but we're always processing it. Right. I don't know. Like, how? Why do you think it's so healing? Not even making your own art about shame, but then seeing other people. Do you feel like it does the same thing? Oh yeah! Like I love that you said it's like sticky. You're like, oh no, they did it. Like when, especially when they get. Like I feel like, especially with Sharon Old. You know, she's talking about bodies, and I. For me, a lot of that's that's where my shame lives. Um. I mean, literally, obviously, but also that's where my shame, that's where my shame story originates. Like, um, I'm going to read you this poem, which is my poem. And it's the first poem in my book called Mother Me, Mother Me, which I didn't know. I was just basically, it's like probably my, after I did the Viva the Vulva collage project, it, it was the next iteration of me speaking to my body trauma, my, my womanhood trauma, my like all of that. So the title of the poem is called scalpel revealed shame's birth called son. Hold hard heel shell to reveal shell, a shell. My mother is an empty shell. Empty. Is she empty or so full to bursting? Containing, contained. My mother is contained and not undone by me. So a little bit about the title is that I was born like out of a shame story. Like my parents weren't married when they got pregnant with me. And I knew that all along. And part of me being born into the world was always remembering something about like I'm not supposed to be here mm. and you know being born with a girl body to the first you know like first uh, like my dad is the third like he's Kirill the third so when people would be like how did you get your name the story was oh she was supposed to be a boy uh. but she was a girl, so we just tried to make, you know, because if you're the firstborn, you get, you, you continue on the name, right? So yeah. there's, like, a lot of, you know how, like, people tell stories and they don't know what they're doing, right? Or they do. Um, and there's this, anyway, I, I, just, I don't know even what you asked, if you asked anything, but you touched on, like, the body part of me um, knowing that this shame story isn't just about oh, me, but it's something that was also like, oh, Banghan Kim was saying this the other day. Like, she comes from sex. Like, that's where we all come from, right? And that's a lot of where my shame was, too. Like, the sex of who I am, the girl sex of who I am, and whether or not I identify with that. And then, but also the act of sex. And, but undeniably, that's just where we come from. And like, that. Yeah, why do we have so much shame around sex when it's literally 
why, why we exist, right? And that's like when I saw you do your vulva sketches, I was like, she's doing that work. You're like literally doing that work of like, this is part of who I am. Like, why is this not like quote unquote acceptable? Or why do we have a whole movement around like Viva La Vulva? Like free the clit. Like we're, we have these bodies with this organ, this part, and yet we're constrained, right? Mm-hmm. Contained, containing, contained. Contained, yes. Yes. What and a like, powerful line. So, I don't know. Reel me in here, Anna. <laughs> no, I love every single bit of it. <laughs> I'm obsessed. You know, like, I just, I just really... It, I felt like when you posted that, like, and you had been on a hiatus, right? A little mm-hmm. bit. Totally. Yeah. And you posted that and it like, there was a rush of like rejuvenation in remembering, like, I think we all do that work in our own way. That people who have vulvas and vaginas, people who bleed, you know, like in this society, in this structure that we're living in, there's a point in which we're just like, what's the deal? There's like, so so much body shame. Just like yeah. even yeah, I so resonate with that with just even being existing, like having to apologize for existing. Like always saying sorry. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm so sorry. Sorry. Sorry, mm-hmm. I, sorry I'm here. Mm-hmm. And especially for like all of our feelings, because they all come from our body. Mm-hmm. I mean, just something mm-hmm. about like apologizing for the way we feel, for the way we are, for who mm-hmm. we are. It's, I mean, and I don't think I even like am consciously aware of how it totally bleeds into my life, which yeah. is which is so hard because then you're you're being trapped by this thing. Mm-hmm. It's like well, the it's shell, like the right? Like yeah. the being contained. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like the internalized misogyny. It's the internalized patriarchy. Like if we're going to stay here, we have to talk about how it's in us too. Like it's not, we're not immune to it. Like no. all of, and it's in there and it's telling us stories that we believe, right? It's like, Mm-hmm. Like, I love that you brought up, like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, like, that's a whole mood mm-hmm. of a lot of people's lives. Like, that's how, you know, until you're not doing it, you're, you're I still find myself doing it. And I catch myself sometimes. And I'm like, what are you sorry for? Especially, like, in this group. Like, don't be sorry. Like, thank them for patience or, you know, whatever. But. Also, like, when somebody else does something wrong and then you apologize. Like, what is that about? Well, I feel like, yeah, well, um, I mean, this (laughs) this narrative about, like, everybody needs to keep it together. Everybody needs to keep it shiny and good. Everybody needs to, you know, be polite and not hurt anybody with the truth. I feel like I mean, also I am not really go ahead keep going I feel like Sorry. the healing is a slow process right yeah. which is oh, yeah. very frustrating 
When you feel like you're on a deadline. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like this whole like, yeah, how much time do I get? Am I, am I, oh yeah totally <laughs> right and don't you think like like the stuff that Jen Lemon like bringing their back around but like they somehow stretch the timeline yes and I don't know totally that practice stretches the timeline and like I think I said that oh when I so before you I wanted to be really centered when you got on this call I don't know if it worked but like I just wrote down on a piece of paper, like, I don't get here without a lineage of people doing their own work long before me and long after me because time isn't real. Mm. Like, it's just not. Like, I don't know, that consciousness has come to me during the pandemic. But even before that, especially I think, I think that might be, and this could be controversial when I say this, but I don't know if this is true or real or this is just where I'm at right this second. With complex PTSD, you at any time are experiencing a timeline and it's real. You know, like at any minute, I'm four years old. At any minute, I'm 16 years old. Yeah. At any minute, I'm 25 years old. And you Mm -hmm. don't have control of it sometimes. When all of a sudden you are just speaking and acting from the place that you are in. Like I am four years old and I am in a room that is not this room that I'm in right now. And something's happening, you know? And it goes in the reverse too. I feel like there's been times where the way I've like quote unquote healed something in myself is it really did feel like time travel. Like whatever I did in this moment made need surviving whatever happened you know 10 years ago or 20 years ago does that make sense totally i pulled a card for this combo and i'm like what should we talk about blah 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 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i got the hanged man reversed oh wow and logic as like an oracle card which is very interesting but it made me think of that because we have Neptune, right? Uh-huh. With the hanged man. Okay. And it feels a little bit like sitting with wherever we are in time. Like, even if we are on the timeline, but logically we know that there isn't time. Mm-hmm. That maybe, like, that's okay. Like, that's part of just, like, accepting it which like is relaxing into the moment, mm-hmm. which is so counterintuitive because you just want to like punish yourself with the fact that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because systems and structures, thank you, Jen Lemon, are just like forcing all of these like, you know, this is what's next. This is what's next. Get in line, get in line. Guess what? Nobody's in line. <laughs> yes. It's the pattern. Like you're either faking it or like burning yourself to the ground to make it on time. <laughs> yeah. And like the, 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 the falsity is like, we are right on time. Like mm-hmm. it, that's a tenderness practice right there. When you can just be like, here I am right on time. I love your tending has no ending. I just, I mean, that's just, you're responsible for it because you, you got me on this podcast. So that one just come out unless I was talking to you. 
Like, I'm totally going to think of that word completely differently. Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. I had this very skewed image in my mind of, like, a pork butt roasting on the smoker and Mm -hmm. putting a fork in it and seeing if it was done, which seems so just not not what's going on you know like right just this completely because that also thinking about that idea like that's saying something's done like you're supposed to be finished with something you're gonna have a formula you're gonna put this piece of meat in this cooker set it to whatever it is and then you're going to be finished with this process but realizing that it's more like you're surrendering to an altar that is your life Mm. and just like allowing yourself to be carried by it like you don't always need to be doing something there's Mm -hmm. it's not as much doing as there is just allowing and being Mm-hmm. is very cool yeah i feel How- like i got that the the witness part and i don't know what poet says this maybe all of them but like the human our like quote unquote job see this is when our language just totally messes with everything but like our job purpose like alignment here is just like witness like mm-hmm. yeah like the like you just said it beautifully well how do you and that timeline piece mm-hmm. the non-ending like I don't want anyone to hear me like say tending and it never ends like that's the hard part right like it, it's the hard part it's not it's not like asking you to be like a slave to your tending and that's a terrible word to use but like uh, like this isn't about pushing towards your tending right it's <laughs> more like a devotional yeah because you never end your devotion right hopefully hopefully Hopefully. yeah um what do you think about the hanged man or the hanged one how do you feel about that card i mean two nights ago i dreamt about the hanged man oh my god tell me all about your dream i actually was dreaming for a friend and this is the first time i've done this and i might be like starting to tiptoe into this work that like whenever I talk to an astrologer they're like talk to me about your dreams and I'm like oh is there anything else (laughs) and they're like they're like with you no (laughs) I mean they don't really say it like that but why um, what do you have do you have a lot in cancer or neptune or what yeah I'm like yeah I'm a cancer uh sun and rising and a stellium in cancer so everything in the first house yeah and then (laughs) and i'm a last i'm a last degree cancer rising so 29 degrees and then i have a pisces moon in the ninth house oh you're a pisces moon buddy with me oh yes high five see that's why you can you you appreciate my rambling oh my god i love it i understand (laughs) no other way (laughs) (laughs) and then um yeah, I have a fourth house Libra stellium. Ooh. Saturn yeah. conjunct Jupiter. I feel like you're like here needle. to teach people with dreams. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. So I was doing this like. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <a> friendly, <laughs> yeah, maybe. This, this, 
I don't like to be pigeonholed. Please don't tell me what to do if I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. I, love that. I get nervous when people see me because I do think um, there's a very porous nature to who I am and people can really see who I am. Yeah, which sometimes, is so scary. <laughs> sometimes before I can see who I am, mm. which goes against a lot of narratives. And this just might be me and my personal story, but there have been certain people and not even like kindly necessarily all the time who look me directly in the eye and tell me exactly what I am. And it turns out later they're right. Where's your you know? Chiron? And I'm like, oh, Levin's house. Ooh, yes, girl. <laughs> is, that the com- is that the community one? Yeah, community and you're healing for the community. I mean, it's happening now on the podcast, so just (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this dream, a a friend reached out and they're like, hey, I I have all this going on, but there's still this thing. And I'm like, okay. She's like, can you, I don't, I I can't believe I'm still kind of like dealing with this thing. And I'm like, well, you shared your dreams with me. What if I just like intentionally try to like put the intent out that I can dream some information for you. Like you've given me, and I'm just going to put that under my pillow. Like, cause this feels like really tender and this is in the midst of the tenderness practice. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to write down on a little sheet of paper, what you want to know. And uh, I'll dream on it because my dreams have been prophetic and have, they've taught me a lot, but anyway, Okay, so I want to hear more okay, about the so dream. Hanged man, hanged man comes to me in the dream, and I see hanged man. I don't know who it was who said it, so it's not me that figured this out. Like, I can't unsee it as the baby in the birth canal. Oh my God, you're blowing my little mind. I think I think it's like a like you know probably a, a reputable tarot person that probably you know coined that and get gifted that means and they said it to me and then I was like yeah that makes sense and in the dream in the dream it was like upside down is a way to love and like you know dreams don't make sense until they make sense right Mm -hmm. or if they don't and sometimes they're just fuel for other stuff right just wordplay and sometimes that happens for me with dreams they can be these beautiful music, like musical number landscapes in my dream or like a movie, but sometimes it's like words just get implanted and like playing with words. So it was like, hang me and sometimes and the baby's in the birth canal. The baby is in the birth canal. That was what was coming through. And, um, but it's not time to push. Mm. And then, and then it was like all this, um, uh, like in my dream I felt like a lot of pressure like all over my body but like into my legs and into my bottom you know like that's the sensation you're going to wait for like bottom is the place for you know I don't know I had it written down but like it was very hanged man and I couldn't help and then you said you pulled hanged man but in reverse which is just a trip in and of itself you're like oh okay the upside down man is now right side up what do you come back to that saying love is upside down is that what you said yeah it was like love is a oh how did it 
upside down is a way to love. What do you think that I kept, means? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I mean, a little bit of it seems to me like if I if I if I plug it into my earth based wisdom, which is like in the land, like upside down would be like technically like the earth, like in the earth, right? Like planted mm. in the earth, upside down. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, okay, so I guess I'm dream interpreting on the channel now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But like, like also, I think in my waking life, I've been getting messages about. Um, shout out to Amanda at Unseen Hands Tarot. She did a reading for me that was about like getting to the core of my soul, and it was like you know, like I was climbing up the volcano, but actually not to like be on the top but then to descend into the volcano Mm. so um upside down is a way to love if we really turn ourselves upside down and like plant ourselves in the birth canal that is like you know what is more of a birth canal than like the ground under your feet the ground under your Mm -hmm. feet is our literal birth canal without those seeds planted we aren't we aren't eating and living. Upside down is a way to love. I don't know. It's interesting. It's fun to play with words. It's fun to play with meaning. It's like being. But I in, can't. It feels a little bit like the idea of, like the idea of a baby in a birth canal. It's still being tended to. It's not yeah. ready. Yeah. It's like being with. Okay, that you're uncomfortable. This is why meaning making is important in a group. You're reminding me that, okay, so the baby in in the womb has two layers of support. The amnion and the coron. There's two layers in that in the amniotic sac. So that if one breaks, there's a fail-safe, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's indigenous wisdom out there. Shout out to Rochelle Garcia Salega of Innate Traditions that says, you know, each person on this planet needs that two layers of support. Like, a, like you know, we think in traditional ways, like a mother and a father, but it's just two layers of support, whoever your two layers of support are. And behind them, those people have two layers of support. And somewhere that those things have been broken, where we're all kind of like, the, the narrative that is like, you got to do it on your own, pick it up by the bootstrap, like you're on your own now. Mm-hmm. And that's a false narrative. We, the reason why we survive in the womb, that she talks about how that physiological representation is just like a, a map for how our physiology works. So that's how it works for us, should work for us in the world. It makes like, me also think about the hanged man being supported by the structure. Yeah, the structure. Oh, the structure of the like, um, like whatever like, uh, he's like, like tied to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And sometimes it's the gallows. Sometimes it's the world tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get into modern tarot, where you know, do you have a favorite hanged man that you, or which deck were you working when if you pulled? I am a tried and true pagan other worlds fan. Oh, that's a beautiful deck, though. Very gorgeous. 
Which one have you been using? Have you been having any favorites lately? Um, I, on my desk right now, I have Moon Baby Magic mm-hmm. by Angela Mary Mack. And I actually pulled Temperance Ooh. at the start of the call. Yeah. How do you feel um, about Temperance? Like Art. Temperance, I, I got that from Jordan in August, maybe. Sincerely, this Herald, that was my August card, I think it was. Uh-huh. And I learned how absolutely hard it is. Tell me more. My temperance is... I feel like everybody's like, ah, temperance, it's a party. <laughs> right? It's like, well, the key word on this one is counterbalance. Mm. Two whales facing each other. And there's like a mountain. And then there is a moon phase, which... I'm a bad cancer. You know we're in a cancer moon right now. I know, right? (laughs) Which makes me laugh. Like everything in right timing. Um, And it's a last quarter moon on this card. She has a moon phase on every card, which is so beautiful. That's cool. And uh, she says last quarter moons are for banishing. Ooh. And that's, yeah, that that keyword counterbalance, I just felt... And you know what card I kept working with for that August was, it wasn't the card that Jordan sent me. It was the Fifth Spirit Tarot. I love that deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're right at the ocean's edge. And it's like a winged person in a, in a casual jacket. <laughs> love that but um uh which makes me think of riparian zones which are the most diverse places on the planet as far as my scientific knowledge goes in biology you know like natural world biology repairing zones riparian r-i-p-a-r-i-n what does that mean it's like where um the the water meets land so you, like, you think you like your swampland, your mm. those kind of places, watersheds mm. in between, liminal, in it's liminal, it's liminal space, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where there's muck, <laughs> mm-hmm. the sticky like stuff. Yeah, the sticky stuff. That's like where I live, and it's hard. <laughs> yes. Did you have hard. a? Did you calculate your card of the year? I'm in a lover's year. Oh, tell me about that. I don't even know. <laughs> uh, shifting from Hierophant to Lovers. Uh, ooh, and I want to just say, in an extended hermit phase of my life. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, lovers. I think, you know, people talk about the lovers being choice. And, it's, and I guess right now it is, it's choosing me and my story and not necessarily the whole back story. Because I do have so much empathy for all the people that have gone before me. The caretakers that went before me, my actual lineage, the lineage of wherever we are. Like, if we can believe that everyone is doing the best they can. I mean, you don't have to believe it. But like, there's this, there's this, yeah, all that. And you know what? I just got to choose me right now. 
like right now I gotta choose me um and not in that like individual I gotta choose me being vulnerable with the people who 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 get it like or and who get it as in they're just gonna witness it and that's it mm-hmm so I learned that, like, on the daily. Like, I show up to certain, I have shown up to certain people in my life and be like, hey, this is what I'm learning about myself. And they're just like, I don't get it. <laughs> and then I'm just like, then the same story kicks in, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't belong. I'm not, I'm not doing this right. I, you know, but that's not, that's not true. It's just, got to choose how first how you're tending to yourself and then how you share that like I feel safe sharing this with you I mean granted it's going to go out and whoever's going to hear it's going to hear it but I don't really have uh, like a I don't have any control over that but I I know that everything like everything that I've said here isn't definitive it's all in process and I'm very willing to be like called out on like he said this and that's not or it's horrible you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. I picked up a I usually will like scroll through a book and kind of or a poem and choose one intuitively for the day Mm -hmm. and today I had open the Ram Dass book and Mm -hmm. I turned to a page and he was talking about this idea that we're all one And we can only Mm -hmm. heal or rise to the point that your neighbor has or anybody has. Um, And it's not making you feel like there's nothing you can do. It's like you're somehow not able to then, you're being like held back or anything. It's that it's asking you to then go home and work on yourself because you're not only freeing yourself, you're freeing everyone. Yeah. And you know, when you know what I hear when you say that, or he says that also like no one's left behind. Yes. Mm Hmm. It's all essential. (laughs) (laughs) Everything, everything matters. Nothing matters. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's so, how it feels right now that's how it felt in the last like I would say from the end of this summer into this fall everything is happening and nothing is happening oh the paradox right yeah yeah I feel like everything is a paradox mm-hmm. which just ends you like suspending in the middle it's like talking about those liminal spaces Mm-hmm. and being because that's where like uncertainty lives too because it's not it doesn't have like a hard edge yeah which is always the most uncomfortable mm-hmm. how do you deal with uncertainty okay. um as someone who navigates complex ptsd and navigated it for the first 39 years of her life 
by trying to control everything and everyone. Um, how do I deal with uncertainty now? It is, it's just, it, it's going to sound like people are going to be like, really? This again? You know, like a breathing. <laughs> I mean, what better way? <laughs> like breathing. Um, like you said, you know, I did the yoga today. I did the meditation today. Um, I'm not a big yoga person, although when I do yoga, I love it. And it's a place for me to release. Like the last time I went to a yoga class, it just was basically me crying the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but um, that's another thing that Jen Lemon has taught me. One small thing, which I say, Jen Lemon, you tricked me into meditating. <laughs> oh, that's um, so funny. Sit, sit, with, sit with yourself for five minutes um, and set the timer. And just listen, you know, and just being there. And then you're listening for what rises. And then um, I think this one small thing is, you know, it's intuitive based too, but it's just listening. It's not like trying to like empty or, you know, empty your mind or find your crystal at the center of the earth, which those meditation practices can be great. But this is just sitting with yourself for five minutes quietly. And then after that, you set the timer for 25 minutes and you tend to whatever has come up. Oh, I love that. Like in what way? Like, um, and how do you, I love the way that uh, like for me, it usually becomes like, sometimes I'll just sit for five minutes longer. I've that started to be a thing where I'll like, Oh, I'm going to sit for five minutes longer. I actually do like sitting here, you know, in the quiet. Um, but a lot of times it's getting up and doing like some simple things like, um, uh, cleaning off my desk or or just taking a little 20-minute nap, you know, like laying down, knowing the timer's set, and I'm going to end up having a 20-minute nap. But usually it's like, for me, it, it's almost like a natural rising up and just going towards what's next. Um, but I think for some people it is like, oh, I my intuition told me I need to do the dishes or... And, and she always talks about how it's not, if this isn't about a should list, a to-do to list, uh, you know, it's just about listening to what comes up. It could be call your sister. It could be take a nap. It could be anything. But one small thing, we did that before the tending thing. Like two weeks before the tending thing, we did a week of one small thing. And I had been sort of doing it, but then doing it for a week solidified it as like really important. How do you distinguish like, your intuition from your fear? Oh, that's a great question, too. Do you do this for a living? <laughs> <laughs> I've said it every time. Said it. Um, how do I... That's a great question. How do I distinguish my intuition from fear? Um, They're all just selfish questions. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um... I think that intuition for me is inescapable. And I think that's just because of I'm born as a cancer, so I'm cancer rising Pisces moon. Like, I'm never separate from my intuition. Mm-hmm. And it's a noisy effing world. 
And often the message I get from people, like if I go to have a tarot reading, it's about, I get the hermit card, I get the four of cups card. And how I'm like, I don't want to be a hermit. But like, I literally do need to go in and like, almost like maybe at this moment I'm calling it like recalibration, but like remembering that I live inside this body and that I'm not porous to everything. And I'm starting to pick up on sometimes my intuitive nature is actually intuiting what the other person wants and I'm going towards what they want and not what I want. Ooh, that's so my intu- So my intuitive nature at times is really confused and poor. But you asked about fear. Um, fear paralyzes me, I think. So I know I'm in fear mode when I'm in freeze mode. I think mm-hmm. that's true. I think that's true for me currently. How do you get out of it? That's a great question. I am uh, going to take a drink of water. Um, how do I get out of it? I mean, not to sound, not to like. I mean, the whole thing we're kick, doing. Kick the, <laughs> kick the horse again, but like, I got to yeah. be gentle. I got to be gentle. Uh-huh. And I think I've heard it enough from people like, this is just where you're at. Right. You know? Like, it's okay. But we like, don't need to get out of it. Or maybe right. like, and, yeah. And you said it too, the callus part. Like for me, you say callus. For me, it's like a total total body contraction. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I walked around my whole life in a full body contraction. And so when I now, there's been times where I've been able to soften a while. So now there's like a difference. So when I find myself contracting, I'm like, this is where we can soften all out. Like, what's the contraction for? What What is it for? And so that's when, like, uh, like getting out of it means literally just, like, trying to breathe softer and trying to, uh, I feel like I'm in that repatterning phase, you know? Like, I'm noticing now how so much of my life was in contraction and now... I can practice the softening and it's, it's not that I'm necessarily, like you said, how do you get out of it? It's not necessarily I'm getting out of it. Suffering's inevitable. Um, but I, I can do these things that soften and it's in counterbalance, like on my temperance card to a whole life that I lived in contraction. Isn't it so interesting? It's like doing the opposite thing of our, instinct and it's hard to say that word but I feel like we're so conditioned with these instincts that it becomes an instinct to go against your best nature or your Mm -hmm. well-being Mm -hmm. and those things get reinforced Mm -hmm. What advice would you give somebody? Because I feel like when you start looking at your shame and it's like you have this wound and maybe you've like calloused over it and now you start to like pick at it and it's open. Mm -hmm. And as you tend to it, these things get easier. 
But for the person who just opened that wound and is sitting in their wound, what can you tell them for encouragement? Because it's painful, right? Absolutely. And um, part of you is like, why am I doing this? I feel worse. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of what we talked about, which is like, I know you feel alone, but you're not. And that may sound really callous for me in this moment, but like, you are not alone. And I would often tell people early on, I felt like in my tarot practice, if I was reading for people, I'd be like, you know what, this is just the time to pour yourself a cup of tea. But like, for me, that's the thing that really like, warms me up it gets me connected to my body if you're going to pick at or if you've all of a sudden just discovered you have like a very deep wound that like you can't not look at it anymore there's no more covering it up you're choosing not to cover it up or you're choosing to see it now however that works for you like you're you're just not alone and Support is necessary. Mm-hmm. And support is a hard thing to come by in this world of division. But I promise, I want to promise, and that's kind of bold, but like go towards asking for help. Um, go towards asking for help. And, you know, there's many ways. Trying to think if there's something, okay, this is going to sound like promotion, but honest to goodness, poetry heals. Mm -hmm. (laughs) People like me, anyway. Um, If you find yourself really alone and it's hurting so bad, I promise you, if you pick up a book, maybe even close to you, and it's poetry, great. Even if it's not, something's going to speak to you that's going to point to you that you're not alone that somebody has held something of what you're holding or discovering in this in this lifetime or in another lifetime my favorite poet for that is uh lucille clifton Mm. and i think we we share a kinship because she, she was a child survivor of sexual assault and her poetry, like she just, and they're short poems. It's not long poems, and it's accessible poetry. But yeah, it's like I want that person to know they're not alone. I want them to be able to ask for help. And in this, you know, if you have an iPhone, you can go to poets.org and Google Lucia Clifton and find a poem by her and. I promise you, you won't feel alone anymore. Okay, I need to look up a poem by her real quick. <laughs> I have one right here. here oh, here, perfect. Here. Okay, go yeah. ahead. You're our poem uh, doula. <laughs> this one is called Children. They are right. The poet mother carries her wolf in her heart, wailing at pain yet suckling it like Romulus and Remus. Mm. This now, 
how will I forgive myself for trying to bear the weight of this and trying to bear the weight also of writing the poem about this? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, doesn't that just say it all? Yeah. I feel like that's a perfect place to end. You're the coolest. You're the best. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Can you tell everyone where they can find you and what you offer? Because I feel like you are such a great source of support for anybody looking for it. Um, you can find me at page.of.poems on Instagram. From there, there's a link tree where you can book uh, readings with me through the tarot. Um, I have a pay what you can and sliding scale options. I also have a Patreon called the Three of Cups, which is this ever-changing kind of way I want to show up for people. Um, and literally, you can DM me anytime and ask for a poem, and I'll be like, like I'll just grab one for you. Um, yeah, those are the places you can find me. And I, I just conversationally read tarot. And sometimes I feel like I'm always swinging the same message. But also I realize that there's a certain uh, certain sort of transitional alignment that people in transition come to me. And in transition of all types and forms. And I do feel like I'm at, like at that liminal place to just be like, it's hard here. And it's okay. Like, I'm here too. We're, we're here together. That's like 100% a lot of the time. That's what I'm talking about when I give tarot readings. But I also tell stories and reflect. I like listening to people's stories and just reflecting. Beautiful. <laughs> you are my favorite. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Stop that. We don't have favorites. <laughs> we don't have favorites, but you're amazing. <laughs> I'm really, really, really glad to have talked to you again. And I'm glad to see that you're back and keep doing all this stuff you're doing because it's so important. guys so much for listening to today's episode if you enjoyed it please leave a rating and review if you didn't like it don't worry about it I love when Glennon Doyle says that on her podcast so I'm adopting it <laughs> it always made me smile but if you did like it definitely go rate and review um, it helps other people find the show 
as you probably know, if you listen to podcasts, everybody says it all the time. And connect with me on the gram at Blind Love Radio. You can find me there. Come say hi. Tell me how you liked everything. Tell me that you loved it. Share your art with me. I want to see it. And thank you so, so much to Kira. Again, you are amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Last but not least, big shout out to The Lone Bellow, their song Deeper in the Water. That was heard today. I hope you enjoyed. Smooches. Bye.